just play a little more of that? I think, you know, this is one of those holy moments. God is with us. We need to pray. Maybe you have a special need today or know someone who does. You can make the place you are an altar to pray and pour out your heart to God. Here at the front, there are places we invite people to kneel from time to time as a way to say, you know, God, I'm bringing you my concern. I'm bringing you my life. So we're just going to take a minute and wait. If you'd like to come and pray, come now. And we will uh, pray together. so blessed to be here with each other and most of all with you. Our amazing God, God our Father, God our Savior, God our Comforter, the Holy Spirit. There is no God like you. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Glory be to thee, O God, most high. When we see you high and lifted up, our faith is stretched. We look around and we see need and hurt and want and wounds. And we pray that by the grace of Jesus Christ, made available to all of us by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, may the same power that raised Jesus from the dead be alive in us. And may we be instruments of peace and a purpose. May we, as Pastor Shane has already reminded us today, look not only to ourselves, but to those around us and maybe beyond our immediate touch who need your touch. We thank you that you care about us, that we are family with each other and with you. So we pray for our friends They'll come forward today. You know what's on their heart. Lift their burden, heal their hurt, encourage them, strengthen them in their concern, whatever it might be, you know. You know what? Each of us who maybe would have liked to have come, but it just didn't feel right or we've never done that before. Many of us who stand here before you in need of a special touch from you today, hear our prayers, heal our hurt, encourage us, strengthen us. Lord, you know, we come in all kinds of places, emotionally and spiritually. Some discouraged. Some just kind of there. An ordinary day. Some on tiptoe with faith. Some full of your goodness and grace. Wherever we are, God, would you touch us and take us further with you. Whatever we need, God, we are open to your touch and your grace. And Lord, while we're gathered as a family, we pray for this larger church family that we've been reminded of, our conference, our brothers and sisters in other churches. May we be a source of encouragement and help to them. We think about our sister church in Amman, Jordan, that Pastor Shane visited recently. We pray your blessing on Pastor Rami and on his congregation and on the the refugees that they serve in Jesus' name. May you empower them and bless them, especially this week. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us here. Thank you that you are a good, good Father, and we are never alone. We claim it in Jesus' name. 
And everybody agreed and said, Amen. You can be seated. I mentioned in the first service how God seems to use a particular song at a particular time in the church at large and in our lives. Um, you know, did you know that we live in a culture and a society where more and more people feel distant from their father? You know, it's true. For whatever reason, there are a lot of reasons that can happen. And thankfully, it's not true for all of us. Many of us feel blessed and close with our fathers. But obviously, that song has touched a chord. Um, churches all over our country and around the world sing it a lot these days. As a young man, when my father died, when I was a child, eight years old, I know about father hunger. And I know that it doesn't just last a little while. And I know the fact that I have a perfect father in heaven means a lot to me today. And perhaps it means a lot to you too. I'm thankful for my perfect heavenly father. I want to talk today about the next beatitude of Jesus in this series. We started out with blessed are the pure in heart. No, that was last Sunday, right? Anybody remember last Sunday? It was a long time ago, I know. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Somebody, we had that newcomer reception. By the way, we've done three of those in the last six months, and uh, we've met new people every time. I think there were ten or so last Sunday. Somebody met me and said, that was strong stuff. You were kind of fired up, you know, that purity thing, and watching what you watch and where you go and what you do. Are you always like that? Well, that may not be the tone I'm at all the time, but when God wants me to go there, I go there, right? When we need to go there, we go there. You know, the week before, we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they'll be filled. We are not just seeking to be minimal Christians. We want to be Christ-centered people. We want to have Christ-centered homes. We want to be a Christ-centered church community. Amen? So God wants to spice up our life. He wants us to be extraordinary. He wants us to be alive in Him. There's a little picante coming your way from the Holy Spirit. I have a, a Nancy's uncle, uh, my, our mother-in-law is part of our church, Pauline. She just had her 96th birthday, and her little brother lives in Quincy, Washington. He's, what, two years younger? One year younger. We're going to go see him at the end of August, Uncle Aubrey. And Uncle Aubrey is always talking about, uh, is it spicy, is it picante, or is it temperature hot? Is it spicy hot or temperature hot? Well, I believe the Holy Spirit can be both of those, but I'm asking him to be spicy hot, all right? Because my house, your house, your workplace, our church, needs peacemakers or we won't get along, especially with the election coming. And I get a mm-hmm, all right? How do you get along and love each other when you really disagree? I'll never forget reading an article in what was then called the Light and Life Free Methodist Magazine by a guy named Hugh Milo Kaufman that I didn't really know very well. I knew of him, brilliant theologian, and it was called When Christians disagree. And he was the first person I ever heard 
kind of dare to take the lid off that. Say you can disagree and not be disagreeable. Mm-hmm. You can disagree and not be disagreeable. And that is, the, that is a very challenging thing. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Would you read it out loud with me? Blessed are the... For they will be called... You are never more like your heavenly Father than when you make peace. Now, being a peacemaker is a lot different than being a peacekeeper. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But the whole idea of bringing peace to a family. You know, we get, it's not easy to raise kids and for kids to raise parents, is it? You, I mean, getting the discipline and love thing, you know. If you guys don't quiet down, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pull over and stop this car. You don't want me to do that, right? And then they don't quiet down. So what do you do? You keep driving. <laughs> you say, I'm going to count to three, right? And then you get to five. <laughs> and it hasn't really helped a whole lot. And then what, you know? And then what? Or families that are blended families. I think sometimes blended families are like in the blender, right? You got yours and mine and ours and what you do with yours and what we do with ours. And, and sometimes there's an X involved and it gets really messy and keeping peace, make, not keeping peace, making peace is a challenge. Um, is, there any, is anybody here foolish enough to be on Facebook? Anybody? How do you make peace online? In the, in the, you know, it's like, let's all get mad about everything we see and tell everybody we know, right? And not be very nice about it in the process. Oh, my Canadian accent. Process in the process. Um, and then, of course, as I already mentioned, just the season that we're in as a nation. I, I want to make peace. How about you? I want to make peace. Where I have grown children that I want to have a good relationship with. I have grandchildren. Have I mentioned them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to have, have a peaceful and healthy relationship with them. I have a brother, I have a half-brother, and a step-brother. I have a complicated family. Um, I would like to be at peace with my family. I know people, siblings, who do not talk. I know parents and grown children who have such a strained relationship, they can, it's hard to even be together. It's not easy getting along. And like, Professor Kaufman wrote years ago, we need to learn to disagree and not be disagreeable. We need to learn to make peace and get along and be instruments of peace. You know, the series we're in, Soul Salsa, Letting God Spice Up Your Life, here's what I know. When God spices up your life and makes a difference in your life, he wants you to share that with another life. It's never just for you. That's not how Christianity works. It's always something that God blesses me with so I can bless somebody else with. Can I get it? Mm -hmm. All right, God blesses me with it so I can share it and bless somebody else with it. So let's talk about it for real. Let's look into God's word. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The New Testament word for peace, the Greek word is irene. It's parallel to the Older Testament word, a word we all know, the Hebrew word shalom. If you've ever heard any pastor teach on that word, you know it's a beautiful and complex word, much more deep and profound than our English word peace. Shalom does not mean the absence of conflict. You know, let's all have peace, let's not fight. That's not shalom. Shalom is well-being, wholeness, community that is beautiful and healthy. I've been blessed to go to China and minister there and also to Taiwan, which is a Chinese culture uh, now considered actually part of the nation of China. When you go to a church in Taiwan, the pastor will get up and always begin with the same greeting. He says, Ping An. P-I-N-G-A-N. Only you say it more like, kind of like Owen. Ping An. Can you say that? Ping. One more time. Ping An. Ping An. So I said, what's Ping An? Well, somebody said, well, it's, it's peace. I said, well, if it's peace, why are the, peace is one word, ping on is two. So what's ping and what's on? Well, they said, well, on, A-N, on is peace. So what's the ping? <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm deep, you know. Well, if on is peace, what's the ping? Ping is smooth. Ping is calm. Smooth peace, calm peace, Jesus peace to you. Blessed are the peacemakers, people who bring that quality into their world, into their relationships. So if that's our goal, what does it look like? How do we get there? Well, I want to mention three things that are on your outline there. Um, there are all about the difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers. Peacekeepers, there, there's some fill-ins. Peacekeepers often avoid conflict so that it's never really resolved. We'll just kind of pretend. For two years, shortly after we were married, Nancy and I traveled all over America and to several other countries in a musical team, band, Christian singing group called Free Spirit. I led the group. Uh, we, there were 10 of us, all university age. We sang concerts almost every night in churches or civic clubs or uh, sometimes school assemblies. And um, we had to get along every day of our lives in that bus when somebody had to decide what music we're going to listen to today and where we're going to stop for lunch and if we're going to take a break in the afternoon. Do you think we ever disagreed? Then I mentioned there were 10 university age young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, every time there would be a little tension, somebody would get a little, you know, grumpy. And we'd start to talk about it. There was someone, there was a woman in the group who would every time go, peace, peace, peace. Peace, peace, peace. She just about killed us, okay? 
It about ruined the whole dynamic of our team. Why? Because we never got to talk about anything that we really felt deeply or had an opinion about. Because as soon as we started to talk, she wanted to put the lid on it. Right? Now, Christians don't put the lid on it, but Christians don't blow it up either. Okay? We get the grace of God to carefully, lovingly do three things. All scriptural. The first is, Speak the truth in love. Tell the truth in love. And I think we have the text for that. It's one of my, um, it's from Ephesians, right? Is it, is it listed there on your program? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. We will, actually the Greek text there is, we will truth in love. We don't speak the, we will do truth, we will be truth. We will live truth in love. Did you know that both of those are important? And some people like to yell the truth in love. It's all about the truth. It's all about, you know, how wrong you are and how right I am. And, uh... You know, you should shape up, you know, that, that whole thing. Truth, 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 no love. There are other people who are love, 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 no truth. <laughs> I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I just love, love, love. <laughs> what is the Christian answer? Truth in love. Truth in love. This is what we need to work through. This is what we need to talk about. This is this is a... A reality in our family. When we get together, we shouldn't just pretend it's not there. This is a reality in our office. This is a reality in our friendships. And we need to have the courage and the grace and the help of God to speak the truth in love. And then, the Bible is so practical, after we speak the truth in love, we recognize that when it's appropriate, when it's my responsibility, I am willing to initiate reconciliation. I will apologize when it's appropriate. I will say those words that are so hard. Does anybody remember the guy on TV from years back called Fonzie? Anybody? Remember, he used to say, I was... He couldn't say the word wrong, right? I was... I know a lot of people who were... I was... (laughs) Um, A Christian is willing to say, this is my part. You know, Jesus told that uh, amazing account of how we should handle our differences, Matthew chapter 5. So when you offer your gift to God at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, who's got the problem here? It's not you. It's your brother or sister. It's somebody else has an attitude toward you, right? It's not you that have the attitude. It's they that have the attitude. And yet, with let's keep going. Leave your gift there at the altar. What could be more, what could be more important than worshiping God? Working it out. Make a peace. God does not want your worship if you're not at peace with your family or your friends or your 
church community. He does not want it, right? That's what he says. Leave your gift there at the altar. Go and do what? Go and... One more time. Go and... With that person. And then come and offer your gift. So that means that it's not always my fault, but I'm responsible to try to fix it. You know, I know so many people who have said, you know, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my kids, my friends, they messed me up. They let me down. And I'm never going to talk to them. And I don't want to forgive them. And I don't even want to try. And this passage says that's not, that's not us. That's not like Jesus and it's not like us. If somebody has something against you, leave your gift. Go. You go. You make the phone call. You set up the appointment. You st- extend your hand. You make a, a true apology for your part. You know, in Romans it says, as much as it is possible, be at peace with all people. Is it always possible? No. But as much as it depends on you, the scripture says, as much as it depends on you. So that means I do everything reasonable that I can do. And I don't just let it go. And at least I pray about it. At least I seek the opportunity. And when there's a little bit of an opening, I get up my courage by the grace of God and I put out my hand and I say, you know, as much as it's my fault, my part, I own my part. You know that the art of a good Christian apology is a lost art? You ever listen to the news and the guy says, well, if you were offended, I'm sorry. What kind of an apology is that? You know, it's like going to your, to your family member and say, well, if you have such touchy feelings, I'm sorry you're hurt. Is that a good apology? <laughs> I'm sorry you are so touchy and that you got hurt. Is that a good apology? No, it's lame, okay? It's just, it's just, it's blaming the other person. What is a good apology? I was, will you forgive me? You know, have you ever thought about the difference between sort of remorse and repentance? Remorse is I'm sorry. I, you know, it's a mess, I'm sorry, we're wrong. I just sort of let it lay there. Repentance is, will you forgive me? When our kids were little, well, our son and our daughter are like 22 months apart. Um, do you think they ever had a little spat? Does anybody here have a brother or a sister? <laughs> okay. They, they would have a little spat. They would get crosswise. So this is our teachable moment as a family. So we say to our children, okay, that was wrong. You need to pray and think and work on that. And when you're ready, you need to go to your sister. You need to go to your brother. And this is how it goes. I was, will you, and you let it sit. And now you have placed the response where it belongs in the life of the other person. And they need to process that. And, you know, I've done that and I've had people say to me, well, I'll forgive you when I feel like it. <laughs> is that a good answer? 
It may be an honest answer, but it's, you know, the right, here's the right answer. Um, as God gives me grace, I choose to forgive you, right? I choose to forgive you. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. And I don't know about you, but I have forgiven and then had the feelings come back. Anybody? So what do you do? You forgive. And then the feelings come back, and what do you do? You forgive. Uh, the third text in our, in our uh, What Do Peacemakers Do? talks about forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord, what? Forgive each other just as the Lord. Anybody here been forgiven? A lot? I Hold it, hold it. Not every hand was up, so either somebody's brain dead or you weren't listening, all right? Has anybody here been forgiven? A lot. <laughs> so how can you not forgive others? It doesn't feel good. It is trusting God. And you know, I'm not some naive little pastor boy. Okay? And then you don't know, pat me on the head and say, well, you have your little pastor problems. Um, I know what hurt's like. I know what pain is like. I know what relational breakdown feels like. Some of you know it in spades. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. There's family stuff that is not fixed and is and is very complicated. I know it. I get it. I'm not saying we pretend. It's the truth in love. Okay. But if, as followers of Jesus, we won't be makers of peace and risk takers and reconcilers who put out our hand and trust God and believe for a miracle, then who will? Your family needs a peacemaker. Your Workplace needs a peacemaker. Your friend circle needs a peacemaker. This community needs a peacemaker. And as Christ has forgiven us, may he help us to be instruments of his peace. So I'd really like to just take a moment before I want to talk a little bit about taking the peace of God to our community through serve our city. But before we go there, I don't want to miss this moment. Because I believe God's doing some stuff here. And um, sometimes it's what I call close to the bone. Would you pray? Lord, you know who it is in, among us the many among us who need your help to make peace. We need your grace to make peace. We need your peace. So we start with us.
forgive us our sins. Forgive us our grumpiness, our lack of forgiveness. Our, our preferred pattern of hydroplaning over the stuff and never getting our hearts healed. We open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Heal us. Forgive us. Speak your peace as you minister the grace of Jesus Christ deeply to our souls. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave, we're told in the Bible, is alive in us. So nothing is impossible for you. Even that seemingly impossibly broken relationship. So Lord, put into our hearts right now a willingness to be the one to make the call put out our hand to set up the appointment to just be easy to get along with quick to forgive by the power of your Holy Spirit and Lord for those particularly broken relationships whether family or friendships or church things or work things we offer them up to you and we invite you in and we ask you to walk us in the wholeness and healing and shalom. 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 Thank you, God. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Davison needs shalom. And Genesee County needs shalom. Flint needs shalom. Can I get an amen? Can I get a, a Reebok? <laughs> All right. So, we're going to go as God's instruments of peace to our community. And what I want to do, would you take the list that you have been handed when you came in, and would you just sort of maybe listen for a little whisper of the voice of God as we think about the things that we might do to be part of what God is up to. Pastor Shane mentioned the annual conference, and I wish you'd all been there when Bishop Kendall, on at least two occasions, talked about churches that occasionally... Uh, take a service Sunday and go out beyond the walls of their church. And how powerful it is. What a great thing it is for the church itself and what a great witness it is to the community. And I'm going, amen, Bishop Kendall. Thank you. Thank you for encouraging us. Uh, not everybody does this. Not everybody gets this. But he was talking about how God is using it in such a powerful way. So we are going to do at least 10 things. I'm hearing maybe even... 11 or more, and we're going to go walk through the list. We are going to go to the YWCA of Flint, a, uh, a struggling 
agency that's been working for a while to get back on their feet after the sort of downturn of the city. And they've been offered a new place, a new facility. They need to clean up and organize to make the move to get out of where they've been. And Pastor Shane went and met with them, really excited about the partnership potential there. Then they also have an urban garden, uh, an urban farm, where they're teaching people to tend that, to grow their own produce and to, uh, to share it. Anybody here have a green thumb? I can tell you somebody with a black thumb. But um, the gift of greenery, all right? Maybe you could be part of the solution to that. My Brother's Keeper, we've partnered with them now several times. It's a, a, a shelter that works primarily with homeless men, many with a military background, um, veterans. And so they need help with installing a security system and tiling the floor. And maybe that's something that you could help us with, help them with. Family Promise, as you know, is a ministry who uh, families in need of a place to stay who cannot stay together as a family unit in the typical facilities in the city. Usually parents and teens Males and females get separated, etc. So, we host them here in the church four times a year for a week, and they have a head office in in the city, and they need our help. This will be our second year partnering with them. Davison High School. Anybody here a graduate of Davison High? Go Cardinals! Well, that was exciting. Uh, <laughs> We're going to landscape and mulch, and it's a big project, and we want a good connection to our schools. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes, Pastor Glenn, we do. All right, let's go do that. Genesee County Jail. This is a brand new thing. It's a God thing, okay? Um, Pastor Shane put out the word. Anybody know a new opportunity, a new open door? And Charlie Richards had a connection, knew somebody at the jail. How often do you go to the jail? Rhetorical question. Um, Charlie has a connection there. They have typically not been open in the past to groups like ours coming in. There's some Christian people in leadership. They said yes. Wow. So we get to take a Christian book, one for every inmate. The majority are male. The minority are female. We need some of each to go. And uh, it's a huge Wonderful open door, okay? Um, Harbor Dinner Free Methodist. The city of Detroit proper has not had a healthy functioning free Methodist church in a long time. Like many other major cities, it's been in decline and the church has fled. And in the last uh, two, three years, the free Methodist denomination has said we need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So friends of ours, Mark and Mary Kreiderman, have actually moved to the city of Detroit and bought a house in the last month. They called me about a month ago and said, well, we bought a house, but we can't get house insurance because we have an address in Detroit. So I called my friend Ben Noyce and Lenny Bartell. Ben, I saw Ben. Where's Ben? There he is back there. You guys helped them get house insurance. Yay, God. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah. And so they're doing this thing where three nights a week, 
They go to a different community center and they serve a free dinner. They invite the community. Those who come bring their children. They have dinner together and then they have about an hour program that is a, a Christian message. Out of those three places per week that they go at the end of the summer, they're looking for a new church to be planted out of that. They asked us if we could help and we could pack baggies with a craft project for those who bring their children to do while they're having their meeting. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Yes, Pastor Glenn, that would be a good thing. All right. So we get to do that here. We get to pack those here. Um, autism support and resource center. You know, um, families struggling with someone on the autism spectrum need to be loved and supported. And um, often they don't necessarily feel a lot of that. So they have a new facility. They're updating and improving. It's on in Burton. We made a connection with them, and right away, a family in our church said, thank you so much. We have a connection there, and we are connected here, and it is so cool to see you guys being brought together by the Spirit of God. And if you have a heart to go and help with that, what a huge thing that would be, cleaning, painting. Last two years, we've done prayer walks. And I think sometimes people kind of miss the big vision here. Um, if you've been following my journey for the last three months, you know that starting tomorrow... I'm going to the Abbey of Gethsemane in Bardstown, Kentucky for four days. For those four days, I will be largely silent. Amen, Pastor Glenn, that's a good thing. <laughs> and I will pray. And uh, I will participate actually in what they call the praying of the hours. Seven times a day they pray the Psalms, starting at 345 in the morning. I'm going to make six of them. <laughs> The 7.345, I'm not sure. But the 5.45, I'm up for that. Okay, and then the 7.30 and the whatever, whatever. Um, when I went there 15 years ago, the only other time I've been, I met the, the, uh, the abbot and he said, you guys don't get prayer. You don't value prayer. He said, we started praying December 23rd, 1848 when we arrived and we have prayed every day since. And you guys think that the good guys won the First World War because of your military. We believe it's because we prayed. And you guys think the Second World War turned out the way the Second World War turned out because of your military. We believe it's because we prayed. And we see the hand of history being moved by the hand of God. And so it is a powerful thing. Last year, I got to lead the group. We went to the Flint. Um, farmer's Market. We met in the parking lot. Here's a symbol of the revitalization of this broken city. And we thank God for any sign of health and progress. We walked up to the river. Anybody know there's trouble at the river in Flint? And this was a year ago, right? And this was all breaking. And we're praying that God would somehow... In, intervene and help the city of Flint with this crisis. Only a little did we know, right? Little did we know. 
And we walked over to Saginaw and down and um, talked about some of the new businesses that are finally opening and uh, walked to the campus of the University of Michigan Flint, prayed for those students. I mean, it was amazing. And every once in a while, somebody will say, well, Pastor, I don't like this serve our city thing. You know, I, it's not my deal to go get a hammer and saw on a Sunday. And I'm like, I respect that. I'm cool with that. Could you pray? Would you join us? Sorry. I got a little fired up about that one. All right. Uh, then childcare here for people who go out there, right? We want to support the families of uh, those who want to go serve but need someone to watch their kids. So we need a team to do that. And Jamie Schmidt, our new uh, um, nursery director, is going to head that up. Well, the worship team is coming, and we're going to sing a closing song. I got word today that there's also a good possibility that we will be able to pack uh, snack boxes like we did a year ago for the Davison Alternative School. Michelle, Michelle Edwards helped set that up, and it's really, really been awesome. Great practical way to get our hands dirty and be instruments of God's peace. Lord, make me an instrument of your would you say that lord make me an instrument of your shalom shalom let's stand let's sing